something she said to me that really stuck that I like to like tell people as well. She says, pray for your problems because basically through like when our problems come up, it's good because then we can actually work on it and release our karmas. Like we're in our physical body because we have unresolved karmas. And our karmas can only really play out in, in relationship, like through a relationship, that's how we learn. Hi guys, welcome to episode three of the Cosmic Laundry podcast. On this episode, I brought on my good friend, Danica. She is the, you know, owner of Thrive Juice Co. in Saskatoon. She's a meditation teacher. She is an ambassador for Lululemon. Um, And she has, you know, just really, really deep wisdom. She is one of those people who when you hang out with her, you, you know, almost always leave with a deeper understanding of something. She has a Pisces North node. So she's really here to lean into her connection with the universe or God or herself, whatever language you want to use. And she's doing a really good job of that. She is um, my, my absolute favorite meditation teacher. I can't wait until she gets, you know, everything up and running, you know, and starts to do more offerings with that because she, you know, her voice is naturally very meditative and and can almost put you to sleep, like in the best way. Um, and you know, with that being said, you know, her voice is also very soft. It's very soothing. So you're going to definitely want to crank your headphones up all the way for this episode. Um, and she's just very, you know, intuitive and intelligent and, you know, her and I have really beautiful conversations all of the time and we're always like, damn, I wish that we had recorded that or I, I wish that, you know, we could go back and listen to that because we're always talking about, um, you know, just really deep things. And so, uh, this episode is really great for you. If you are, you know, figuring yourself out, if you're, you know, you know, in a relationship, we talk a lot about relationships. It's a good episode for you. If you're, you know, interested in meditation, Ayurveda, yoga, mindfulness, taking care of your body, all of those very Virgo types of things. And yeah, it's a, a really great episode if you love Danica, which we all do. you about it but I uh well I was binging a bit of Handmaid's Tale oh which yeah is so good I think I but that's not on Netflix no and right? now I've been watching Jane the Virgin mm-hmm. you and I talked about yeah it's so ridiculous it's I so have the funny. biggest crush on her me too like she is so have you watched her in um yeah that movie someone great yes oh that's actually how Girl I was crush. introduced to her I have, yeah, like my mom told me to watch Jane the Virgin like months and months ago. And I was like, eh, I don't know, just didn't seem appealing. And then for whatever reason, I clicked it and it's hilarious. What part are you at? I'm just done season two. Okay. I just finished season okay. two. Yeah. It gets so wild. It's so, it's funny. Yeah. I love <laughs> it. It's always like, 
and laughs and like makes fun of me, but then he kind of like mm-hmm. starts watching it with me and gets into it, and then yeah, it's so funny. Well, because it's so dramatic, it is right. Like it's like every single episode ends with a cliffhanger, oh. and you're like, what the fuck is going on? You yeah. know, it's actually so bad because my one of my teachers, Brenda. We're learning a lot about Ayurveda right now, and I have high Vata constitution. Um, and she said, she gave me a good piece of advice the other day when I was spending time with her, is that um, anyone with a Vata imbalance or like a high Vata imbalance um, should actually, if they're going to like binge on Netflix, they should watch like movies or documentaries and not um, series because it always, like you said, like leaves you with a cliffhanger. So you're like, your mind isn't settled and Vata's already have like an unsettled mind. So there's no, like, completion or grounding at the end. It just leaves you, like, up in the air. Yeah. So, like, for vatas, that's, like, a really simple, like, everyday kind of, yeah. That is so interesting. Okay, and it's so funny that you brought this up because I literally almost texted you, like, with Ayurveda questions this morning. (laughs) Like, so that's really funny because I've always, like just getting into the doshas and stuff, I always just kind of assumed I was kapha. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of, of those qualities. But then when I really, like, was getting into it this week, I was like, oh, I'm way more bada than I am kapha. Mm-hmm. It's just imbalanced, which is why, like, I always thought I was more kapha because, like, losing weight and things like that is a little bit harder for me. Yeah. And I do have, like, the long hair and, like, the good teeth and, like, those things. Yeah. But um in terms of like my mind and my mental state is very vata yeah and so today I started doing like literally this morning I started doing like the vata morning practice of like the what do you call it abhyanga Abhyanga, yeah yeah so I did that and um like the dry brushing and the whole thing so that's so interesting that because you're you're like you're totally vata right pretty much I have some kapha but um I have no pitta. Kappa, that's how you say it? Yeah. Kappa, vata, and pitta. And pitta. So in Sanskrit, often like the pH, like we as English speaking individuals will say f, like a f sound for that. But Mm -hmm. in um, like Sanskrit, it's actually like a pa. Like it's like a, because it's a vibrational language, it's almost, you can feel the, um, like movement of the navel when you do that like can you notice when you say ha oh yeah like a ph yeah yeah okay so it's actually a kapha so there's a bit of a okay after it instead of kapha sanskrit is so fascinating yeah it's yeah that's really i'm like just diving into it so i'm still such a new but i'm learning a lot from brenda what are the like three doshas what's the differences between the three um, so kappa is like the earth, earth element. So it is going to be grounding. So, um, oftentimes when we see a kappa, indiv- like, so a kappa individual or someone who has a high, like kappa constitution, um, they'd be more grounding, um, their physicality, like you will see the like health in their skin. Like they might have a more of like an, I wouldn't say like an oily complexion, but like just like a glowy, like mm. healthy skin kind of look. Um, 
they often like carry weight a little bit easier kind of like how you have in astrology like there's like you know kind of like the light and dark side of each like quality right, almost. Like the, like, and yeah. it's like the contrast or the polarity it's the same with these kinds of qualities so like you know, Kappa can be really grounding, but it could, like, the dark side of that or the, like, opposite of that is that it could be, like, really sluggish. So often, like, Kappas will have a, like, sluggish digestive tract or, like, a sluggish metabolism, so they might carry a bit more weight. So often we will see that with individuals with a Kappa constitution is, like, a heavier build. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some of those qualities. If you want to, if you're Vata like me, um, having more of those like grounding foods and doing practices that are more grounding would help balance that out but if you're kapha and you're finding you're a little too sluggish like you're getting into the imbalance like a balanced kapha is going to be like I said glowing skin grounded like these beautiful qualities but then when we get out of balance with kapha it's going to be sluggish fatigued um, hard to get motivated things like that Mm -hmm. so then sometimes we need to introduce some of the other doshic qualities or practices to like get out of that imbalance if that makes sense yeah so that would be kappa um pitta would be fiery so it's going to be that person that's like hyper organized get shit done um maybe like quick tempered um again that would be when it's out of balance but like quick tempered a really quick digestive system so they might even have like things just go right through them or they might have right. like kind of tend towards like diarrhea or you know things that are going to like flush right through them so they would like to it'd be good for them to stay away from like spicy food um they might get really irritated in hot environments oh that's my sister yeah we literally when we were kids used to carry around a spray bottle and like spray her <laughs> yes. i think i was telling you and nate this and like when she'd get hot we would just spray, spray her, her with water because she gets so grumpy i love that nate's yeah. the same like he he gets a little bit feisty in hot environments like he'll get irritated and even in the hot car like he yes yeah yeah okay this is like bringing back flashback to um (laughs) me and Chantel and her boyfriend Andrew and then Ariel all went on a road trip last summer and we took my like little tin can of a car and has no air conditioning and I'm cool and like sometimes it's a little bit too hot but for the most part I'm like I'm okay so I thought it was gonna be fine but all three of them definitely have pitta tendencies i think oh, because funny. like it was just a total like brawl the whole and we went to Banff and then came back i love that yeah. That's okay so don't yeah. don't put pittas in my yes little car totally. that has no air conditioning yes and then also yeah with spicy food um could just throw that even more off balance so we wouldn't want to give anyone with a high pitta constitution more spice like it's okay to have a little bit yeah if they're already out of balance with it and their fire is already quite high you don't want to add more flame to the fire that makes sense so they're the fire element okay and then vata is the air element so when we think of air it's usually dry and cold so you'll see a lot of um a lot of vatas have oh i should say about pitta too pitta's 
often like a muscular like athletic build oh, okay um yeah. and then vata is more again airy so their hair is going to be likely brittle like they're off a little bit out of balance so like me like my hair you know will break a little bit easier it's a little more like dry and frayed um you might see dry skin not always um what else they could be even like really gassy like air in the digestive tract you know like it could be yeah. quite gassy when you think of an airy like mind um you know they can be the kind of like head in the clouds type people or like a really anxious mind a really busy mind mm-hmm. um yeah so they and they're often a, a thinner build yeah anyone who's vata um but like they say too that now in our modern day society most people have a vata imbalance because there's so much stimulation that totally makes yeah. sense so the mind our minds are all busy no matter mm-hmm. what constitution you yeah. you know have the dominance in um yeah so it's it's such an interesting world i'm like i said i'm just like just starting to kind what's of dive the coolest into it? thing that you've learned from uh, not necessarily um, just from Brenda, but from because you've done so many different like meditation trainings and all these mm-hmm. different things. Um, in regards to Ayurveda, no, or just, just like in all general, no, the big question. Mm-hmm. I like this because I feel like I get to just interview you and ask you questions that we don't necessarily get into in our day-to-day You know, I actually told. Chantal, I was like, yeah, and I'm going to, like, interview Danica, and she was like, you guys talk every day, like, what what are you doing, and I was like, yeah, we're just going to, like, have our same old regular conversation and throw on the mic, great, yeah, it's like, okay, oh, that's such a hard question, um, the Ayurveda stuff has been really interesting to me, um, I don't know. I think there's so many misconceptions and that's what I'm really loving is like breaking down some of the misconceptions of even like meditation. And I have so many people who, you know, will come to me and say like, I tried meditation, but it's, it's mm. not for me. You know, yeah. it's, it, it just didn't work for me. And I find that really interesting because I think there's this misconception of, we sit and meditate and it's this blissful, beautiful experience. And I, you know, felt one with everything and lost all sense of time and space, which absolutely can happen. And it can be this like esoteric thing and be really beautiful. And I've had that experience and anyone can have that experience, but like the reality of it is most of the time, like, I sit in meditation and my mind wanders and I bring it back to the breath again and again and again for like 20 minutes. And How like, do you stay disciplined to do that? Hmm. Honestly, it took me a really long time. It's interesting because people will ask, how did I develop a daily practice? And it took me a good seven years to actually develop a daily practice. It's for top. For so long, I was like, I know I should meditate every day, and I would try, and I would, like, be on it for, you know, 20 days straight, and then I would fall off the map and then go a month without and then start up again and be really consistent and then fall off. Um, 
for me, it was truly, I reached a point in my life where, like, my knees hit the ground, one of those, like, dark night of the soul moments of, like, I just needed to start meditating out of necessity. <laughs> like, it was no longer even, like, a choice for me. It was, like, if I, if I want to get through what I'm moving through, the message was really clear when I, you know, dropped to my knees and said, like, what will you have me do? Just, like, show me the way. And, like, the clearest message that came through was to meditate. And so I just started making that the utmost priority of my day. It was like, okay, I'm going to meditate. And if I get anything else done that day, it's a bonus. But, like, at least I got, like, the real work done. You know? Like, yeah. It was like, before it was kind of like the last thought. It was like, oh, I'll fit it in if I can. And then that conversation and dialogue switched to like no like it gets done first and foremost and then anything else I get done in the day is just bonus and and again like it wasn't it wasn't a choice it was just it was necessary for me it, you know shit got real ugly <laughs> in my life for a while and it was like I didn't know how else to get through a day and that's so interesting considering, like, when we look at your chart, like, A, you have so much water, right? So double cancer, like, you're already so intuitive and connected and all these things. But then you have that Pisces North Node that's, like, literally what you're here to learn how to do is to meditate and sit in consciousness and, and do all of that stuff. And so it's interesting because a lot of times I don't see people, unless they get into astrology and, and can identify their North Node, people don't naturally come into that usually until they're, you know, after their Saturn return for mm -hmm. sure. You kind of, like, learn your Saturn first and then go into your, you know – north node placement yeah. and so it's really interesting that you had both of yours kind of just like come to a head at the same time right you were dealing with both of those totally. things yeah my Saturn return like really shook up everything for me like how did you get everything. through it I have so many people ask me and I can't give advice because I haven't been through mine yet so mm. I have so many people ask me all the time like how do you prepare and how do you get through it what did you do it's interesting because at that time, like, I was aware of what a Saturn return was just because of my very first yoga teacher, Jan. Um, we would just, like, walk and chat sometimes, and I remember she told me about my Saturn return, and prior to that, I hadn't even really heard about it, um, and I was, like, totally noob with astrology. Like, I still am, but at that point, like, I barely knew anything about it. So I don't even know if I really have any advice as to how to prepare. Um, but I, Jan always said to me, because like during my Saturn return, so much surfaced. My whole world fell apart. Like all my karmas came up. Um, and something she said to me that really stuck that I like to like tell people as well. She says... Pray for your problems because basically through, like when our problems come up, 
it's good because then we can actually work on it and release our karmas. Like we're in our physical body because we have unresolved karmas. And our karmas can only really play out in, in relationship, like through a relationship. That's how we learn and can release karmas. And in her lineage of yoga, which is Jiva Mukti Yoga, Jiva Mukti means I want to become liberated in this lifetime. So that means like we want all our karmas to surface so that we can be liberated. And again, like we came back into the physical body because we have unresolved karmas. We have things that we still need to learn. So in the Jivamukti lineage, it's like, I want to learn it all now. Like that's intense. Yeah, like they're yeah. like not the faint of heart yogis. Like they are they're here to like face their shit. And I think I really love and appreciate that because for me like the first I mean I'm 30 now but like the first 27 28 years of my life were not easy and so I think I really resonated with that where it was like oh like it's actually good that all this shit is coming up for me and that these problems are surfacing so I can learn from it I can grow from it I can evolve from it and ideally be free and liberated from it and I think I mean what else do we want besides to be happy and free and then it all comes down to totally to happy it. free wealthy yeah. give me those yeah but it, it it did really shift my perspective to look at it as, as like you know looking at that individual who you know stirred a lot of stuff up for me um to look at that individual as a teacher and, you know, and not the same kind of teacher that maybe I look to my, like, spiritual teachers with, but a different type of teacher where, like, you know, that person shook me to my core and the pain and betrayal and everything that I experienced in that relationship really allowed me to see where I was blocked and where I still needed healing and all of the things. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's the thing, hey, like, I, so in my clinical practice, it's so interesting, like, one of the things, I don't advertise for this, but I, I tend to get a lot of clients who come to me when they're going through a breakup, or there was an affair, or there's, like, certain things like that, and, you know, I always say, like, this is going to be one of the best things that ever happened to you, Absolutely. you know, because, you get confronted with all of the stuff that you were just kind of, you know, putting to the side and not dealing with and not looking at all the tendencies yes. that were not healthy for you, um, all of the ways that you were playing small, all mm -hmm. of the ways you were settling for less than what you deserved or wanted. Absolutely. I think that was my biggest thing was I didn't realize how much I was giving my power away until it became so obvious it was like oh like this person completely has control and power over me and I gave it to them like I completely gave it away and I was compromising so much of myself and who I was and you know what was important to me and I just remember reflecting back and going like I don't even know who I am anymore like when did I get to this and then it all you know, shook up, and I love that, like, Oprah talks about that a lot, too, you know, 
first it starts with like a whisper and it's kind of like, you know, I have this gut feeling that things weren't right or things weren't feeling good and didn't listen to it. And then it got a little louder and, you know, and then like we're not listening to the little nudges to get us back on path. So then it's going to put up a roadblock and Mm -hmm. it's going to like, all come crashing down and because you're not making the choice to get back on path so it's like okay we're gonna make you get back on the path yes and that's how I felt I felt I was heading in this this direction that I thought I was meant to go and then when the Saturn return hit shook it up I fell to the floor I started from the base again I realized oh wow that was meant to happen because I wasn't on the correct path Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm I'm back on the path I'm meant to be. And that is, I'm so thankful that you just shared that because that's exactly what Saturn Return does. It feels heavy and difficult and hard in the moment if you haven't been listening. If mm-hmm. you've been listening and you're paying attention, your Saturn Return is pretty easy peasy. Like there might be some shifts and, you know, some certain things that happen, but for the most part, mm-hmm. Saturn... You know, I, I often think of, I can't remember who it is that introduced me to this concept, but um, I often think of Saturn as like the stern grandpa. Like he wants the best for you. Mm-hmm. And if that means that he has to be like a total jackass <laughs> to like get you to like wake up, um, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so Saturn return is really, it's a time of, of coming into who you are and who you're supposed to be. And um, it really like most people have never met someone that doesn't look back on their Saturn return and go like, Oh, I'm so thankful yes. for those lessons and totally. that, you know, shift. Yes. And it's so hard to see that in the moment to be like, Oh, I'm grateful for this pain, mm-hmm. but you're right. It's it always in hindsight, you look back and say like, yeah, that was so necessary. And I'm so grateful and thankful because I'm strong. Like I'm stronger because of most often you know so when when those challenges come up I love that so then what um like you feel like Saturn took you from this one path and now it's pushed you on this other path is that other path meditation is that where you feel it pushed you yeah I think it's for so long most of my life I I've always been such a sensitive gentle soul and for so long how did I not catch this sorry I'm like looking at her birth chart right now you have Saturn in the seventh house which I mean obviously is like the relationship house but it's also where like business is and those contracts and stuff are that's so interesting how did I not catch that before I feel like maybe you you have mentioned that in the past okay but it would have been like Literally when you first started astrology. Right. Okay. When maybe you we first did talk about that. I think I maybe know. we did. But anyways, like that, that's, that's so really interesting. interesting. It's right there. But anyway, sorry. But, no, that's okay. Um, I just got really excited. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> it's so wild. It literally paints a picture of my life. It's yeah. so strange but and beautiful. Um, no, what was I saying? Uh, Meditation. Oh, yeah. Is that the new path? I think it is. I think that's going to be a big part of my future and the future I'm creating now. Um, yeah, for, for most of my life, I was just this really sensitive 
sensitive individual and um, always quiet and really observant. And um, even in elementary school, I remember the feedback I would always receive from teachers at like parent teacher interviews would be, you know, Danica's great in all these areas, but the one area she, like, uh, the one area of improvement is that she needs to participate in class more, like, she needs to talk or speak out more and all these things. Um, and I remember, I don't know, growing up and just thinking that was one of my weaknesses, was that I was quiet and sensitive. And, you know, I even had, you know, f old friends and people in my life that, would constantly tell me that, that like you're too sensitive or you know too gentle or you're you're you know too friendly with everyone or things like that mm -hmm. and I always viewed it as such a weakness that I had and it was only in the probably around the Saturn return time that I started to really view those qualities as my strengths rather than my weakness and I started to embrace those qualities rather than like shame them and hide them away and yeah like I've never felt more myself or more aligned and when meditation came into my life in such uh like such a natural way but also like there was an abruptness to it but it just kind of organically I don't know, came into my life and hasn't left since, like, it's, it's stuck, and it's something that I do feel, I don't know, it's just fitting with who I am as a individual, and what are my unique gifts and talents, and things that I was actually just simply born with, you know, yeah. like, and, I feel and like it's so suited, and yeah, that, and it's the first time in my whole life that I felt like, oh, I've, I've found my thing, like, and I, you're good at it. I feel like before, you know, I, I identified as an athlete my whole life because I played. That's so wild to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you when people meet like, me now, they're like, excuse me? Um, <laughs> excuse yeah, me? A what? A lot has changed. <laughs> but, like, I identified it as I identified as that for so long. And then when I no longer did that or identified with that, I was like, what am I even good at? And, you know, people would always want to do like dream work and vision and goal work and I was always that person that was like I don't know what I want I don't even know what I'm good at I don't know who I am like how am I supposed to like envision a future when I'm just so unclear with so many things and um definitely through my Saturn return I I came to start embodying my unique you know innate mm -hmm. gifts that it like I said that prior to for the past 27 years I kind of ignored or felt like ashamed of in a lot of ways do you think that you moved into the athlete kind of role to I mean part of it I mean you are an Aries son, mm -hmm. right so you're still very active mm -hmm. and like you know passionate in that way but do you feel like you kind of used sports as a way to kind of put a band-aid over those like labels or those like hurts and pains of people calling you sensitive and emotional and all those things I think that could have been part of it I mean I like anything physical comes super easily and naturally to me yeah I think also it's interesting because I think you and I talked about this the other day actually um 
is that in soccer I could actually get into flow state. Right. Yeah, we talked about that. It was like I didn't identify it as that at that time because I didn't have the awareness around it. But looking back now, it's like, oh yeah, that was mm-hmm. like that was when I could actually just lose myself in the moment. And I think so much of my life was challenging and chaotic, especially as a you know a child and a teenager. Um, that it was kind of like my escape. It was like my time to like forget about all the like chaos and challenges that were going on around me and in my family and just like yeah channel it there yeah channel it like let out any like aggression or energies that needed to move like through the body and then also to like actually let my mind rest for a while that's such an interesting perspective hey we don't necessarily think of sports as a place where we go for our mind to rest but Mm -hmm. really when you're involved in I mean I was never really an athlete I played volleyball and some of that kind of stuff but I was like into dance and all these different things and when you're performing or you're playing a sport or you're anything like that you have no choice but to be exactly where you are totally right in your body too yeah because for so long like I mean I didn't live in my body for most of my life. And I think when I was playing sports was the time I actually was, like, embodied. Able to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I resonate with that 100%. So it is that interesting thing of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, that's not – people don't think of mindfulness as, like, sports or, you know, performance or creativity or any of that. But really, whenever you're just there and present, that's when you're practicing it. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. It's still so interesting to me thinking of you. Like, I mean, I know you're athletic, right? Like, whenever we, like, hang out, we're always, like, going for a walk or, like, you know, going to go to yoga or things like that. But it's so interesting for me thinking of seeing you in, like, a competitive space. Totally. Because you're just, like, the most gentle non-competitive person I've ever met oh my god call up some of my old oh my gosh (laughs) see if anyone has any videos like Like, um she was crazy like do you have videos of Danica throwing elbows because that's what I want to see yeah honestly though I was also like a really destructive teen like I I feel like a different person like it's really interesting I still like see those those parts are still, like, in me and a part of me in some way, but so much has changed, but I also, yeah, I was, I was, you know, destructive at that time, and my emotions were a lot more out of control. So in what ways, like, self-sabotaging kind of destructive? Super self-sabotaging. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors. I, you know, drank a lot to, like, numb out. I had an eating disorder. Um, I was rebellious for sure. Um, yeah, like totally out of control. Like, and did all of that, okay, so did all of that begin to shift when you started Thrive or not really until after your Saturn return? Like when mm, did you start transforming in this way? I started transforming, okay, so <laughs> there's a bit of a story um, with because all of that was happening around the same time. Like, I was a self-destructive teen. I went through a lot of depression as a teenager. I, um, you know, isolated myself a lot as a teenager. Um, and then, 
like when I was a young adult, like I'd say around, you know, 19, 20, um, I was drinking a lot. I was like totally numbing. Like I wasn't just one of those people that would like have a few drinks and it would be okay. Like if I was drinking, I was like pretty much blacking out, like completely just numbing myself. Um, and then I had an eating disorder around that time too. And I was in total denial of just like how bad it was, but I think the people around me, you know, were seeing more accurately what was going on. Yeah. And I know I've told you this story before, but I I remember one day coming home and there was a, a gift on my bed with a card. And when I opened the card, it said, um, if you won't, if you won't let me help you, I hope that this book will. And it was from my mom. And when I opened the book, it was on bulimia. And until that moment, like I literally had denied even having an eating disorder. Like I was totally in denial, wasn't willing to, you know, look at my own shit. Um, look at my own, yeah, any of it. I wasn't willing to look at the pain yet. Um, and when I opened that gift and saw it, I think that was when things really hit home for me because it was like, oh, this is no longer just affecting me. Like, it's affecting the people I love and they're now seeing how bad of a place I'm in. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I had gone into yoga around that time. A little maybe a little bit earlier than that and then I used to go to this community class out of space called the refinery for those in Saskatoon they might know um so I used to go to community class with Jen Henriksen and she was my first yoga teacher and in the basement of that uh church there was a meditation group and uh and so I started going to that and it was just a small little small group but it was actually through meditation that I really started to recognize the way I was speaking to myself. And I remember once I realized and started to observe the voice in my head, I realized just how destructive it was. Mm -hmm. And it was like I had a realization of no matter or like no wonder your life looks the way it does and no no wonder you're miserable because look at the way you're speaking to yourself. Um, and that was a big click for me when I, you know, was reading books like The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. When I was meditating, I was reading um, Like You Can Heal Your Life by Lily Pei, some of those kinds of books. And I really started to realize that I could actually control my thoughts and I hadn't even had that awareness prior to that so there was a bit of a like start there where I was really starting to get into these practices I came out of the eating disorder um I started Thrive I think a year or two later so that was a big piece for me in healing my relationship with food and with my body because I was an emotional eater mm -hmm. and then I would throw it all up right the way I was like Feeling with that was like I'm gonna emotionally eat and binge and then I was so conscious of like my body and had all these body image issues so it was like oh my gosh I just ate 10 muffins <laughs> like it was like you know like crazy and then I would just make myself throw up and 
then I, you know, thought that that would zero it out. Like binge and restrict and binge and restrict kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, through Thrive, you know, that was also, I have been on a journey of healing my relationship with food and with my body and, and that helped a lot because it kind of, it held me accountable, right? And then it was like, I mean, I wish more people knew, I mean, I know that you've spoken about that publicly before, this isn't the first Mm -hmm. time, right, like Mm -hmm. a few speaking events and stuff, but it's interesting because now, like, are you familiar with the term orthorexia, with what that is? So with Thrive, like, do you ever find, like, do people ask you questions about Thrive, um, in terms of, like, I'm trying to figure out what exactly I'm trying to ask here, but... I know that a lot of people are using, like, cleansing and, like, eating gluten-free and all these different things. It's, like, another way to perpetuate their disordered eating. And one of the things that I love about Thrive is you guys do a really good job of, like, talking about the health benefits and not necessarily just, like, oh, you're going to lose weight or, like, not Mm -hmm. promoting it for those, like, unhealthy reasons. But do you ever have people reach out to you guys who have problems with disordered eating and kind of ask questions about It's interesting because... We haven't really, or at least people who are disclosing that they... Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the tough thing, right? Because you yeah, can't know. Exactly. You don't know someone's reason for yeah, it. Yeah, and you don't want to assume either. Um, but when people do start to ask questions around weight loss and our products, like, we just, we don't really, in, you know, mm-hmm. encourage or indulge in that. Like, anytime people ask about weight loss with, like, the cleansing... Um, options and things like that it's like you know that may be a side effect but it's never the reason the reason or the goal um, that we recommend and and I usually try to talk to people about like if you do have a history or are currently struggling with any type of disordered eating that cleansing is probably not a good choice for you at this time um but yeah, I do. Th- it's it's a tricky one because, you know, there there is a lot of that of people being really hyper conscious and hyper aware of what they're putting into their bodies for, you know, unhealthy reasons like that. But then there's also the other side of like for me, like gluten destroyed my gut. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know? And so it was like it a really like- good thing for me to reduce in my diet but again also different Different. and I feel like you can't win either way like Mm -hmm. someone is gonna like find a reason to say that like what you're doing is like not okay yeah right like um it was really interesting so you know like the wedding I went to this weekend Mm -hmm. (laughs) like back home middle of nowhere um like, you know my family, like, I joke about how we're all, like, farmers and, like, the whole thing, and it's, like, just small-town Saskatchewan, and they had <laughs> gluten-free options. Half of the wedding party is gluten-free. Wow. Um, And so that was really crazy for me because I've never went to a wedding or anything like that that wasn't, like, in the city, very high-profile, yeah. things like that, that had mm-hmm. gluten-free food. Wow. It was really cool Amazing. to see. And, I mean, of course, I was sitting beside, like, my dad. Was yeah. Like, blah, blah. yeah. <laughs> my dad's favorite joke right now is, like, oh, yeah, I could, like, rob a, a bank in the city with a hot dog bun. Like, that's his favorite <laughs> thing to say. He goes, like, it's true. It's true. And we just, like, oh all laugh at him. 
I know he's so funny. But, um, so of course he was like kind of like making jokes and stuff and it was like this funny thing, but I thought totally. that was so cool. Like it's really like people are taking so much better care of their bodies yes. than we ever have. Yes. Which is really cool. And Thrive was really like a pioneer of that in Saskatoon anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because I, I never enjoyed eating meat even as a child. I always told my parents I don't want to eat pigs I don't you know yeah. I don't want to eat animals this little sensitive baby to- you like to- no totally but like you know my parents didn't have the knowledge or awareness or education around you know intuitive eating or yeah you know sensitivities or anything like my dad's father was a you know, meat inspector. So like we grew up like <laughs> right. meat and potatoes. My mom, you know, was from Nova Scotia and she had what's your your Irish, right? Your lineage? Um yeah. Irish, Scottish, French, right. and a little bit of German. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So meat and potatoes. Yeah, so meat and potatoes. Same girl, same. Yeah. And lasagna if we literally were lucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's what I grew up on, but I remember like as a child always was so yeah, again, so sensitive. Like, I had digestive issues for as long as I can remember as a kid. Um, and, yeah, and then as soon as I was an adult, I was, like, 18 or 19, I just said to my family, like, I'm no longer eating meat, and it wasn't at all hard for me to yeah. give up meat. I'm not saying that works for everyone or that everyone should do that, but um, for me, it just felt right. And then... Um, the year prior I started yoga and I met my first yoga teacher and in the Jivamukti lineage um, they're all about animal activism so most of them are vegetarian and vegan and uh, yeah so when she started talking about you know like veal production and Mm. all these things in yoga class I was like what I found my people like I no one around me was um, you know, eating plant-based or vegetarian or anything like that. And that's that. such a powerful feeling to feel like, okay, mm-hmm. I found people that get me. I don't have to explain totally. myself. Totally. Yeah. They just get me. Yeah. You know? Because most of the people around me were like, I don't get it. Do you still practice Jiva Mukti? Um, I don't really. There's no... Is it like Kundalini? Like, what's the vibe of it? Um, no, Jiva Mukti, um, it was just simply, literally the first type of yoga I was ever introduced to. Um, Jan Henriksen was the only teacher in Saskatoon. I've heard actually so much about yeah about it just yeah. like through um, people who talk about Jan. Yeah, so she was the only person teaching it. Um, I don't think there's any other Jivamukti teacher in Saskatoon or Saskatchewan. But possibly. is it like Asana or yeah, it's a Hatha yeah. Yoga. Okay, um, so um, Sharon. And David, Sharon Gannon and David Life are the founders of Jivamukti. Um, so they had a center in New York and they were both like artists, rebels, like, you know, totally, I don't know, marched to the beat of their own drum. And uh, Aquariuses. They yeah, were from, I know, I'm actually yeah. really curious to see. Yeah, I should get their birth info and see. No. Actually, but yeah, they started this, uh, this branch of yoga, uh, Mukti, and they have, they have a lot of different teachers and lineages. They have a really great book, 
um, what's it called? I think it's just called Jivamukti, and it has a subtitle that I can't remember. Um, but anyone could check that out to learn more. But basically, in each Jivamukti class, there's always, um, always mantra, always meditation, always a form of activism. Um, and they were kind of, because Sharon was a dancer, they, they kind of, it was almost like this form of yoga they, that, I don't want to say incorporated dance into it, but it did feel a little bit more dance-like than any other type of yoga I Like more slowly. Yeah. And, I um, like that, I think. And they, they just always, they were one of the first places, maybe the first place to start introducing um, music during yoga. So asana oh. practice was traditionally practiced in silence. Right. And because they were musicians and dancers and artists, they started playing music during um, during the flow. So it was always matching movement with, well, the breath, but also to music. So it was very, like, metronomic. So Oh, always, my gosh. I would love that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I would love that. Yeah, yeah it's a really beautiful practice. So, yeah, Jan doesn't teach anymore, but um, in public, at least. Um, but it's a it's a beautiful form of yoga. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. I think it's, like, it's interesting, too, because I, I know, for me, one of the things that really drew me to yoga when I started practicing was that it was to music, was mm-hmm. that, you know, because I started practicing it, at one was really where like I started to get serious about it and they always had you know I think there have been only a handful of classes I've went to there where there wasn't music and I hate those I'm gonna be totally honest like if I go to a yoga class and there's no music the whole time I'm like so bored I can it's so painful for me but it was so you know for me it was like the first time that I was able to get into my body and be with music without there being a mirror in the room or like a goal or like a I mean dance is such a beautiful expression and I like love it I still love to dance so much but one of the things about using your body as art is the way your body looks is really important right and so I think you know for me like my own struggles with my body and eating and um, like my own disordered eating stuff, a lot of it came from dance and from performing. And so for me, it was like yoga was this really cool bridge between like creative self-expression and like having music in that beat, but also not having to perform, Mm -hmm. just doing it for me. Yeah. So I cannot imagine going to a yoga class without music. Oh my gosh. You know? I love you. That's so funny. <laughs> I just can't. I love both. It's so yeah. interesting because, like, I know some people really thrive I, in, like, the quiet. Yeah. I think, song. too, like, especially, right, like in, in meditation, even, like, you not that it's always practiced with your eyes closed. A lot of people practice with their eyes open, but when we do shut off, you know, certain senses, it helps us direct the and attention inward so that can kind of be I think sometimes the reason too is there's no there's no clinging or attention going towards the music it's yeah it's in the body it's on the breath it's you know yeah yeah that's part of it it's more meditative and it is beautiful I mean music is energy and it feels good mm-hmm. yeah yeah I find like a, a 
my favorite teachers are actually the ones that can time music really well Mm -hmm. and the ones that use music to deepen the practice yes and that was you mukti like it was literally like to account yeah yeah so it was like inhale two three four exhale two right three four like on the beat with music yeah i would love that i would love that but i mean yeah i mean it's really i like trying all different styles of yoga you know kind of shaking it up like i'm really into kundalini right now which i know you are too love it hanging out with the queen voodoo jacket um what are you like do you have any mantras or kundalini practices that you're really into right now hmm it's funny because I go through like these phases with kundalini yoga I love it so much but I haven't been practicing like a full practice in it for quite a while it's hard especially if you're using rama because you you're like i have to put a, aside two, two full hours. hours yeah who has two hours yeah. unless i'm getting up at four it's true right yes. but yeah i get that um but specific practices like i i've been keeping it pretty simple i tend to like i'll do my pranayama in the morning so i'll do like uh durga breath and then uh, ujjayi and then Nadi Shodhana, and then I'll usually do some type of like breath of fire. Um, and and then, do you do like the Kundalini version of breath of fire, like equal inhales and yeah. exhales? Yeah. Yeah. And I forget what the term for it, because uh, I learned it with Brenda as well, and I'm forgetting the Sanskrit word for it. But um, but yeah, it's the same, like equal inhale exhale. Um, and then I'll usually just settle into. Twenty-minute meditation, and I'll often either just hone in on the breath, or I'll introduce uh, a mantra that I'll focus the attention on. And sometimes that's just Sata Nama, which is a Kundalini mantra, or I will do the Ganesha uh, mantra, the Om Gan Ganpati. Love that one. And like he's my man, cause like. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I I love uh, I love Ganesha and um yeah that he just keeps coming back again and again into my life and I love his mantra and when I was moving through really difficult times before I really knew much about um, Ganesha as a deity or what that represented or anything I would chant his mantra in in the bathtub and. Um, yeah, later, I don't know, I've just kept coming back to him. I've been gifted figures of him. I, he wow. came up in my Vedic astrology session in Bali that I did. Um, yeah, that he's, he's the one that I should be praying to and that's cool. cultivating. And I didn't know chanting. that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so I, I use that one a lot. Yeah, that's a good mantra. I like that one, too. Yeah. yeah. I use that one. It, especially if I find that I need something a little bit more upbeat, because a lot of the, you know, mm-hmm. it, especially when you use the mantras that have music with them, the yeah. ones that, that you can find are, they're fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, I don't know, I always do the, um, like, the tuning in 
mantra. Om Namo Buddha Dev Namo. Yeah. Do and you do that at the beginning of everything? Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's like, it's like Guru Jagat says, you know, we, it's kind of like tuning, uh, what's the word, like an antenna. Yeah. Right? Like it's like tuning us in to like receive the messaging, to listen, to attune us to the frequency that we want to be on that day. Like it just, it really sets the tone. So I usually do that one and then I'll do the Kundalini protection meditation. Right. And I was going to ask you about that if you're still doing that one. And that's just the mantra or is there a a Kriya that goes with Mm, it? I just do the mantra. So with most of Guru Jagat's classes, she does the Om Namo Guru Dev Namo Mm -hmm. three times and then the and that's the, the protection, protection one yeah. yes yeah yeah i read somewhere that yogi Bhajan um recommended that people actually you know do the protection mantra before they get in the car or before yes. they fly or you know all of those different yes things. i remember she told a funny story about that how um he always recommended it as a protection meditation and then one of his students came in one day and was so angry with him and said I've been practicing that meditation every day and I got into a car accident today and he was like you were supposed to die but because you've been doing that protection right. meditation or mantra like look at you you're, you're here right now. Now. Yeah. yeah I love that oh my gosh. gosh oh yeah and I love like I can just imagine I'm sure he said it with so much mm-hmm. certainty you know totally. it's so funny listening to some of his lectures especially the um I am woman series Yes. Like listening to those, and sometimes he'll say the most radical, ridiculous thing with so much conviction. You're like, yeah, yeah. that has to be right. Like it's true, <laughs> you know. If he believes that that's wrongly, uh, it has to be real. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel that way with Guru Jagat too. Yes, I know. I you and I talk about that all the time. Always um, nodding my head when she's speaking because she's so yeah, yeah. She's just so clear. I feel like and, she could tell me to do anything, and I'm like, okay, Guru, I. I You don't have to question the teaching. You can just mm-hmm. accept it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so your morning, like, do you do that every morning? Do you have a nighttime ritual too? Mm, that's my morning. Um, I usually meditate in the evening too, but it's not always. But it's like I always, always will do my 20 minutes in the morning. And then in the evening I... I'll usually try to sit for a formal meditation, but if if I can't squeeze one in, I at least put some type of like body scan relaxation meditation on to fall asleep to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so one of the things I don't think I've ever told you this, but um, when people find out that I'm friends with you, the first, <laughs> the first question I get, you're gonna laugh at this one, is sometimes like, does she? plastic surgery because she's really pretty oh and I'm like no no she's just naturally beautiful oh and then God. I always laugh That's so funny but then the second one is like always about like how cool calm and collected you are like people be like oh yeah she's like so gentle and I think that people see you as this like very like 
spiritual, like, meditative kind of presence in their community. And, like, I'm like, no, Danica is also fun AF. (laughs) She's a good time. She's not, like, just, you know, this, like, I don't know. Like, I think that's the Pisces north node is people see like definitely how conscious you are Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to also just ask you some questions that show that you're a real human that doesn't just spend 78 like days meditating in a row every year that's so funny I actually think too I just I think I grew up really fast as a kid so you're very and I became like like I even find that sometimes I'm like oh my gosh like I I can just be so serious sometimes. So it's really nice to have, you know, Nathan and friends like you and Darlene and stuff in my life to like bring laugh and playfulness into my life because I can, like, I can be really, I can be really serious. So I get why people see that because I can be for sure. And I don't know that it's necessarily, like, maybe it is serious, but like, conscious right right Right. like just very aware and Mm -hmm. conscious which is like such a beautiful quality and I think that that's such a gift that you have but um I think this happens a lot with people who are like into yoga or into meditation or like really like leaders in any sort of those things is people kind of like put them on a pedestal and think like they don't ever eat junk food and they don't watch Netflix and they don't have fights with their partner and it's like no like they're so real too it's actually also such a good reminder to me as to like how I'm portraying myself to to like right the external world because it's like Sometimes I, I do pick and choose what I share. I think we all do. Most I'm people, all right? so guilty of that. Like, I don't I actually don't really show my like silly self that often. <laughs> but like it's usually like my inner circle that sees sees that, right? Which is so, okay. Yeah. We all have parts totally. of us that only our inner circle gets to see. Yeah. But, but you are also very hilarious as an individual. So I'm curious. For I did not prepare these questions, so I don't even know what these are going to be. Okay, what um, what is the craziest thing you've ever done? Like, is there anything that you look back and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Oh my gosh, I'm like trying to think back to my crazy <laughs> days now. <laughs> Granny Danica. No doubt. Hey. Oh man. Oh. oh my gosh. I don't even know. Hmm. I'm literally trying to think of like I I don't know. I'm trying to think. There was one story I remember you told me, and I was like, "What? You did what?" And I can't remember what it was, but it was like not something I would have pictured you doing. But I can't remember. Oh my gosh. Okay, maybe you are just, like, a serious granny. I know. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. We'll come back to that one. Okay, think on it. Okay. I know that's a hard one, too. Even me, like, I do pretty crazy wild stuff pretty often. Yeah, but... like, as a kid, we were just, we were just did stupid stuff. Like, yeah. taking, 
you know, cars out before we had any sort of license and, like, you know, like, yeah. stuff like that. But I'm, like, I don't know. It's not that crazy. But, like, we would do stuff like that all the time when I was, like, 14. <laughs> Badass. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes. Stealing mom's van. Um, okay, who do you have? Because you and I talk about this a lot. Like, our girl crushes. Who are mm. you girl crushing on right now? Always Guru Jagat. Yeah. <laughs> Queen. Always. People are going to listen to this and think we're in a cult. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's so funny. No, I, I think Kundalini has been like, hasn't it been accused of being oh, a cult? Oh, I'm sure. I think it has. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, her for sure. Um, I love Lacey Phillips right now. Mm-hmm. Everything she's doing. You remind me of her. A little bit. Oh, that's like the biggest compliment because I love her. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Um those two for sure. I feel like Darlene is always my mm-hmm. like lady crush too. Yeah. She's just such a good expander for me. Um hmm. I really like this woman named Nat Kelly. On Instagram. Oh yes, you showed me her. Yes. Before. But I love her. She just embodies feminism and playfulness and flirtation in a way that I just like really admire. Yeah, and she's beautiful. And oh, she's stunning. But she just—I don't know. She has an energy about her that I really appreciate. I think I'm really Danielle Laporte has always been one for me. I love her, like gentle and compassion nature and I don't know she just always has stuck for me she's one of those women that I I love her poetic ways Mm -hmm. like I love her poetry um I love the way she lives with such intention and yeah I love her she's raw integrity um yeah those would be my biggest ones right now I think yeah no feel that I really like um I love Tiaga Prem uh, right now as well especially his podcast right I've I've just like I don't know ever since I found him I've sporadically been just like following his teachings where is he based out of he's in Vancouver okay he owns a space called the Dharma Temple did he teach here or something when he on a workshop lived, he lived here for okay a year or maybe he went to school here for a little while but I know he lived here for a little bit but that would have been a long time ago but no I tried to bring him um to Saskatoon to offer some kundalini offerings but Mm -hmm. it didn't end up working out oh yeah when he was going to do the level one training right yes that's what I was Um, thinking of but I love him he's just like he's a rebel um you know he likes like punk rock and is a yogi and Hmm. like practices a lot of different types of yoga which I resonate with I love Um, that and is yeah I just I I just see a lot of myself in him so I really like that that's really cool I like rebels yeah like I really do and in comes Nate with his motorcycle and this like 70s look you know (laughs) totally (laughs) So sweet. But I love people that like question things and they don't 
you know, just just because a teacher tells you this is the way yes. you should do it, they don't just, like, follow suit. They are yeah. like, okay, I'll try that on for a little while and see if it works for me. And if it doesn't, I can say no. You yeah. know? Like, yeah. I just, I really admire people who are, like, just carving their own path and, like, yeah, not just, just following something because a book or a teacher is telling you to do so. Yeah, same. I also love, I really appreciate, especially leaders in, like, the spiritual space. Um, I really appreciate people that are down-to-earth and still have, like, regular hobbies and interests. Yeah, yeah. You know? Totally. So the fact that he's, like, into rock That's and things what like I that. Love it's too. really cool. Yeah, he's just... I like it because it's, like, it seems like like a contrast but it doesn't have to be right like living a spiritual life and then going to like punk rock concerts but like a lot of punk bands are conscious as fuck like it's It's true really cool yeah so I don't know he's a big one for me um but a lot of females like a lot of feminine women um yeah I'd say those are my biggest ones I need to listen to his podcast again because I remember when you first introduced me to him, I was mind blown yes. by just how intelligent he is and like all of the wisdom that he has yeah. to share. I think so the way he speaks and yes. explains things like is like just resonates with the language I like to use too. I don't know. There's something about him, but he also I'm pretty sure one of his first teachers was John. Oh, that's well. so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored think, by Jen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think he did a training with her while he lived here. Or something. I I don't know. I feel like I heard that on one of his podcasts once or something. Yeah, that he's makes great. sense. Yeah, he's great. That's really cool. Okay, so new question. If you could pick up and go anywhere tomorrow, where would you go? And what would you do? Mm. Lately, I've been really drawn to, like, go to Japan and learn, like, learn the way of tea. Mm. Like, I just want to, like, I, there's such a beautiful Zen practice around, like, tea meditation. And I know it's, it's in Like, tea ceremonies and stuff, you mean? Yeah, Yeah. But even just, like, yeah, I would just love to sit with some... Zen masters and drink tea. <laughs> that sounds like such a rad time. I've been, actually. I don't know, really drawn to uh, that culture lately, and I actually don't know a lot about that culture, but I've always been drawn to go there, so I'm just curious to, like, go and see what the pull is. That's cool. Yeah. Where, um, we haven't done your astro map. No, yeah, I have we? To. We need to. Okay, because I was going to say, like, where else do you feel pulled to? But mm-hmm. I think that that's something we need to do when we look at your map. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I really just wanted to, I knew that we were going to get into the conversations of, like, meditation and all these different things. I think that that's something that people are so curious about mm-hmm. is meditation and how to make it, like, a real yeah. practice, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um. And so I, I kind of knew we would talk about that. But then I also wanted to talk a little bit about your birth chart. Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive in. Okay. Fine. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I know your birth chart so well now, and we've had so many conversations about it. 
So I don't know. I was looking. I was like, what questions do I have for Danica? But I think the biggest thing is, like, you have, like, okay, the few things that pop out when I first look at your chart is, like, it's super interesting that you have a descendant in Capricorn and that Nate is a Capricorn, mm-hmm. right? That is hilarious. I can't wait to do the couple session. Me too. Is he still down for that? Oh, yeah. I think that that's going to be so interesting. It'll be really fun. Yeah, that'll be... I'm even curious because we haven't done, done that. that together yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. How long have you guys been together? Coming up on eight years. That's wild. What? Okay, let's get into that. Yeah. Fuck the birth chart. We'll do that on a different episode. Okay. Um, How have you guys... <laughs> when you have a Gemini running a podcast there's just like no rhyme or reason for anything um Molly actually when we did her she like texted me she's like do I need to prepare anything and I was like I don't know do you I don't think so no like that's so funny (laughs) I can't have any earth signs on the podcast if you'll die they'll be like yeah I'm like I just showed up I'm like like and we literally decided to do it just like this morning but um what like, do you have any advice or, like, tips or tricks for people who want to know how to make a relationship last that long? I mean, oh, eight years is a long time, especially is. considering you guys were babies when you met. I know. It's actually, <laughs> it's so crazy. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how we like, have lasted this long. But Nathan's super, like, he's so patient with me. It's hilarious like you and I have talked about this but we can just be like I don't know crazy like in the past like just you know crazy and figuring out my stuff and I'm like wow he was such a rock for me and thanks for sticking around you know but then he (laughs) feels that way about me where it's like oh like I feel like I was the crazy one and you held it down and so it's interesting but I think the biggest thing that works for us is like in the past I probably would have been more like needy and controlling and like afraid that he'd leave and because of my past in my family like afraid of like infidelity and you know I've I've had to really work on my trust around men um so I think you know in the past that would have been like my kind of immediate reaction would have been like more fearful and yeah try to like control the situation and keep him close and things like that but um I don't know as we developed it was it just developed more into like I just want to love I love who you are and I just want to support whatever's gonna like allow you to be the happiest and most authentic version of yourself and you're doing a good job because he's the happiest human I think I've ever met he's so happy you know just like I think I realized like you can't and I this was years ago but like you can't control anyone but yourself and you can't control anything but the way you react to things and it was just like you know he wants to go travel and like be his own person and that's beautiful and who am I to say no don't go like you Mm -hmm. know no don't go move there I'm gonna miss you like 
if, you know, if I told him to stay and he did stay, like, there'd be probably a lot of resentment there and yeah, things like that. So eventually it just became like, yeah, we'll be you. And I think I was in a happier place with myself and who I was and I had my own visions and goals and dreams that I was creating. So it became easier to do that. But I think literally just, like, allowing each other to be our individual selves is the biggest thing that helps us just keep maintain a strong relationship. And you guys do have a really strong yeah. relationship. Like, I'm not trying to make him be anything or anyone other than who he is and vice versa. Like, I'm just like, I love and accept you exactly as you are with all of your perfections and imperfections and, you know, the whole thing. And, like, we've really learned, too, how to like communicate and express our needs with one another which used to be such a challenge for me like I'm mm-hmm. such a perpetual people pleaser so I find it you know I'm I used to be afraid that if I expressed my needs it would be too much and they would want to leave and I think so many like women especially mm-hmm. can resonate with that I know I do yeah. too so what like what practices did you like how did you learn how to do that or what Again, like, so much of it literally came from, like, my own work on myself. Your meditation practice or just, like, your own self-development? Yeah, just own self-development in general. Just realizing, yeah, a lot of my tendencies, getting really clear on, like, what I wanted. I think for so many years, I've always been a really, like, flexible person and just, like, you know, I've talked about this a lot where it's like, I'm, I'm okay either way. Like I can make it work. Like no matter what, I know I can adapt and like be, like be Mm -hmm. flexible with it. And like, that's a quality I really like about myself. I am really easygoing and I've never been, yeah, like, you know, it needs to be this way. I'm just always, have been really flexible, but over the years I've become more and more clear of what kind of life I actually want to create moving forward. And the more clear I got on that, the easier it was for me to like share with Nathan, like here's what I want and here's what I need from you to like become the person that I need to become. Right. Which is so powerful because it's, it's about taking that ownership, right? It's like, I know that I want this because I've sat with it Mm -hmm. and I'm not just reacting or projecting or, you know, this is a very clearly defined need for me because I've sat with it, you know? And I think that that is so huge, doing that work first. Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people will just kind of, like not even get clear on what it is that they want in a relationship and then they expect for their partner to give it to them. Yeah. But how can your partner give yeah. you something if you don't even know what you need? Yes. You know? Because I think I was finding, you know, the way Nathan's life is developing, I was finding like I was kind of, again, catering and adapting to his life rather than expressing like the life I wanted. Mm-hmm. So more and more, the more work I've done on myself, the more clear I've gotten, the more I've been able to share with him. Like, no, I, I don't think I would ever want to move to that city that you want to move to. Or, you know, like, I don't really want to travel there. I'd rather go here. Whereas before I would just adapt and be flexible and just go with it. Yeah. Now I'm a lot more that way. And oh, what else? Another thing is I found, you know, when I would in the past be controlling or, like, 
making decisions based out of fear, it was because of my own state of being. Like, it had nothing to do with Nathan ever. It was more, I was feeling insecure. It was all me. Like, it was, like, it, you know, as much as we project onto our partner, like, you know, I feel unsafe because, or like, you know, I feel worry because you're out late at night in this other city with all these girls you know that like that those things happened and I would get all like worked up or worried about it when like that was my own conditioning my own beliefs around men and what that means and things like that where it was like the more work I did on myself the less conflict we had because I was just working on my own shit and yeah making myself happy first like we always have said that like I'm always like yeah go do whatever go do this go do that because you need to make yourself happy so that this relationship can be happy and we've always been that way with one another where it's like if you're unhappy like with yourself how the heck is this relationship going to be happy and I think that that's why you guys are like anyone who knows you guys knows that you guys are such a strong couple like you can see it even when you're together like you're friends mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. there are so many people who don't speak highly of their partners they don't want their partners around they don't yes. you know all of these different things it's like they're enemies and one of the things with you and Nate that I really admire is that you guys are a team and that's mm-hmm. very very clear yeah. and I think that is because you're both able to be individuals in the relationship yes right yeah and also too like if we're looking at like the feminine masculine like polarity energy kind of thing a lot of times women will I mean we're trained to do this is it like John Wineland or David Data that talks about how like feminine fathers so fathers that don't have their own like integrity mm-hmm. or their own like shit together basically kind of raise like masculine daughters right they raise daughters that take care of them and like do all these different things for them and try to make them happy mm-hmm. which is I think very common especially in Saskatchewan right totally. I have you know, very few friends that weren't raised to just, like, if like make dad happy and do whatever it is yeah. that dad wants. Get him a beer, do the, all the things. Totally. Right? And so then time. we go into relationships with this, like, I have to do something yeah. in order to be loved by you. Mm-hmm. And when you're pursuing in that way, even if it doesn't feel like pursuing, it doesn't create space for, yes. like, a masculine man or a masculine person to come towards you. And it creates, like, this disconnect and disharmony in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah, so I think that's something that you also do really well of, like, just holding your own and, you know, really being comfortable and cozy in your own life. Yeah. And allowing Nate to be, like, a beautiful addition instead of being, like, he's not your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. We both have said that, too. We, um, you know, like, life for both of us before we met, we're... Like, we were both content, like, mm-hmm. good with the way life was. I mean, it, in lots of ways, it could have improved in a lot of ways. But, like, we were happy and content in our own lives. And then when we met, it was just, like, a bonus. Like, it's like, yeah. I always want our relationship to be that. I never want to rely on him for literally anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I even share with him, like, whereas before I would have probably hit away my insecurities around like being abandoned or 
you know, things not working out and I, you know, I'm working, still working through my complex of like not wanting marriage because, you know, my dad has been married four times and so marriage doesn't really mean anything to me and, you know, that type of like modeling and conditioning, you know, I, I share with him now, whereas before I would have just tried to figure that out alone. I'm now like, oh, like, you know, I don't know if I want to get married and here's why. And I'm working through that and I'm seeing different perspectives and different ways of being and, you know, we can like work through stuff together and I can have com hard conversations with him now where, you know, I'm in full support of him and his dreams and wanting to make it in the music industry. And, and then I've had to have hard conversations where I'm like, I want to support, you know, your big dreams, but like, we also need to make money. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and those aren't easy conversations to have with your partner and you want to be supportive, but it's also like, here's the reality of it, babe. Mm -hmm. And it's like, here's what I need from you. And, you know, and I, I want to sit into the feminine more. I want to be taken care of and I'm not ashamed of like saying or feeling that anymore. Whereas yeah. I used to, I used to, I very much grew up with an independent mom, a mom that like, you know, pretty much raised my brother and I and worked two jobs and the whole thing. And like, yeah, I, I used to totally think I needed to be independent and you know totally independent and now I I'm kind of allowing myself to sit into that feminine and be like yeah I think one day I'm okay with Nathan being more of the, the breadwinner and for me to take on different feminine roles and that's appealing to mm -hmm. me like I I agree I'm the exact yeah, same. like whereas in the past I probably you know with the just whole everything around feminism and what that means I think I had this idea that I needed to always be independent and now I don't think that much is I don't think that way as much right and I, I think too because like you're your whole and you're your own person first mm -hmm. it creates safety for you to rely on someone else yes right whereas if you enter into a relationship and you don't feel good on your own or you haven't developed your own capacity to make money or you haven't you know any of these things and then you you start the relationship from that space of like I'm going to rely on you and I'm going to need you like a that's mm -hmm. a, a super huge burden to your partner huge yes and then b it creates so much insecurity yes. and power imbalance within that relationship right so 100%. i agree with you totally i'm the same way i have no shame being like i want to be taken care of you know i mm -hmm. want and it's more so about i know that i want to be with a man who wants to provide mm -hmm. and i want to be with a man who is masculine and wants to take care of me and it's like watching out for me yes. it's like protective I really like I know that if I'm gonna relax into being you know the most like feminine juicy version of myself yes. which that's who I like to mm -hmm. be um I need to be with a very strong masculine yes. partner and I used to choose men that um I mean I've always been with really masculine men even when I was young I remember I was in high school and I was dating an older guy that was already like made a lot of money and things like that. So that's always been what I've naturally been attracted to. But when I was younger, I didn't have my own 
you know, my own masculine self developed. So it was those relationships were unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't that, um, we weren't able to meet on equal ground. Yes. Right. Whereas now that I'm older, I'm able to engage in those types of relationships, you know, like Ariel and I talk about this all the time. He's also very like, you know, I can't even remember what we were talking about a couple months ago and he was like, yes, but I want to provide. And I'm like, I know you don't have to tell me again. I I know, but we're able to enter into that relationship in a much healthier way because I also know that I can take care of myself. Totally. So it's healthier. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I see that, that in like mm-hmm. you and Nate as well, right? So because you know how to take care of yourself and you have a really healthy yeah. masculine in yourself, you're able to, you know, create space for totally. him to provide for you. Yeah. Which yeah. is really beautiful. And it's fun to just explore that too. And both of us have always been as well, like, just go for your dreams because... Mm-hmm. Worst comes to worst, we can find a job at a coffee shop. Like, yeah. we've always had that mentality we'll wing it. in our relationship, yeah. and we're both, we're both dreamers. Like, I'm a little bit more realistic, I think, than he is, but, um, you know, we both dream, and we like to think about what's possible, and, you know, go for it, and, and part of that has been challenging, because we're both self-employed, we're both, like, going for our dreams, and it can be scary when there's not that safety net, but I don't know. We always just think there's, yeah, there's always a way. So we're just, we're figuring it out. Hi, Kay. I am getting so excited about the couples interview. Oh yeah. We got to do that soon. It'll be really fun. Um, cause that's going to be great. Nate keeps sending me like memes, like astrology memes. I know. (laughs) Again. He showed me, and he's like, I gotta send this to yourself. I'm like, oh my god. I'm just like, thank you. Like, I have, like, a whole folder now. Just, like, because people send me memes all the time. That's actually how I get my astrology memes. But I was just laughing. It's actually how I learned about astrology. Yes. It's just like, send me all your info. But, um, yeah, I think that'll be really fun. Because he also, like, I know you weren't there when we did our session. But he you know, is really good at asking, like, the right questions and things like that, too, mm-hmm. to, like, he really, like, makes me think about astrology when I'm having yes. conversations with him, so I'm excited mm-hmm. because you bring that, like, the the spiritual understanding of astrology, like, when I'm, I'm telling you about mm-hmm. your chart or about certain aspects, like, you're really able to take it a step deeper, which is really cool, and then I find, like, with Nate, he's just so curious about it and excited about yeah. it, so I think the three of us together, that's going to be yeah chat it'll be really fun cool thank you so thank you so much for coming thanks for having me that was so fun all right thanks for i just sounded like matthew mcconaughey all right all right all right um thanks for listening thanks for sticking around for the the whole damn thing um I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did Danica is you know one of my favorite people and definitely my favorite meditation teacher um 
her and I are going to be doing some offerings this year. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like yet, um, but you're definitely going to want to check those out, especially if you're in Saskatoon um, and area because, you know, I went to Wanderlust Oahu this year and it was really great, a really beautiful experience. I would probably do it again. But one of the things that I was a little bit disappointed with actually was, you know, some of the meditation classes that I went to and I might have just not went to the right ones and I might have, you know, whatever the whole thing is. But I just I think I've gotten so used to the way that Danica leads and guides and then also just the wisdom that she imparts, you know, every single time that she's leading, you know, some sort of meditative practice. It's just, um, she's phenomenal and we are really lucky to have her in Saskatoon. Um, so you're definitely going to want to check her out with any of the stuff that she puts on this year. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you think. Give me your feedback. If you're listening to this on Apple podcasts you can rate and review if you're listening to this on anchor and you have any questions you can shoot me a voice message and i will put it into the next episode that will be released on sunday so any questions you've got i don't care if they're astrology human design whatever i'll dive into it hope you all have a really great weekend and that the full moon hasn't made you too crazy bye see you next week